You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast, presented by BetDSI. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts oddsmaker Nick Kalikas to break down this Saturday's UFC on ESPN Plus 19 event, which takes place in Tampa, Florida. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. Now, for this event, it'll be a bit more of a quick cast because we're getting the podcast out a little bit late due to some issues with uh, work and our personal lives, but we still definitely wanted to give you all our takes on tonight's uh, fights. Now, looking back at our last event, Kyle Marley won three units on his premium bets for UFC 243. Kyle has his bets and fantasy MMA picks available now on MMAOddsBreaker.com. Back to the present, UFC on ESPN Plus 19 features a 14-fight card in total that will be aired exclusively on ESPN Plus this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a women's flyweight contest between J.J. Aldrich, who is 7-3, and three, and Lauren Mueller, who is 5-2. and two. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? As always, before I get started, got to get my shout-outs in. And the first one, to BetDSI.eu. Make sure you guys head over to BetDSI. It's a great place to bet. Check them out. Always... Check out our MMAoddsbreaker.com premium picks tab. Yeah, Marley 3's plays posted there. Kyle Marley is one of the best cappers in the world, as I always say. And those of you have, that have followed along for the last couple of years realize that as well. He's up over 260 units the last 16 and a half months. That's over $26,000, uh, betting $100 a pop per unit. So that's amazing, really, if you think about it. So make sure you guys check out his premium plays available at MMAoddsbreaker.com right now under the premium picks tab. Now getting right into the fight. Aldridge open minus 230, the comeback on Mueller plus 170. And the current line right now over at betdsi.eu, we are seeing Aldridge minus 179, Mueller plus 147. So line margins have tightened up the early action coming in Mueller's way. I understand it. That is the way to go. This is a, a basically a dogger pass situation, no doubt about it. It should be a very competitive fight. Both these ladies bring it. It's going to be a high pace fight. There's not really a huge submission threat either way in this fight. Um, I think it'll probably play out with both these ladies exchanging and kind of um, striking back and forth a little bit. The edge, I think the pace might go a little bit more towards Mueller, but I think Aldrich is going to hold her own, and I think she's going to actually um, be the one that controls a little bit more of the cage, whether it's in the clinch, up against the fence, or maybe even gets top position in a scramble or whatnot as well. But I think Aldridge will do the more damage on the feet as it goes. She's faced the higher level competition overall, and I think she's just a little bit more battle tested, and I'm slightly leaning her way as a pick. But that said, there is no possible way I could lay chalk on Aldridge over Mueller in this spot. I do think it's a dog or pass situation. So at the betting window, if you're going to bet this fight, you look to bet Mueller because I think it's a split decision type of fight, and the MMA judging is no doubt about it. you got to kind of be cautious about it. So I would not bet Aldridge in this fight. Uh, it's Mueller or pass, but my pick is going to be Aldridge to get a close competitive decision win. And I'm going to come in the same way. Uh, both of these ladies statistically are practically identical in terms of, uh, their defense standing, their offense standing, um, their percentage strikes hit. 
Um, so I, the, the biggest thing separating them to me is I'd say Mueller is a little bit more athletic than Aldrich, but Aldrich is more experienced and Aldrich does come in from a better environment of fighters, in my opinion. And, uh, I think Aldrich a little bit of a higher tempo, uh, training in, uh, Denver, Colorado. So, uh, I think, uh, if this fight goes to the floor, I mean, I'd be sh- surprised because both ladies do prefer to stand and trade. Uh, so I think, uh, this is going to be a competitive stand-up fight. I'm totally with Nick in the fact that, uh, you know, the, the odds should be a lot closer than they currently are. So it definitely is a underdog or pass type situation. But, uh, I do think that the experience for Aldrich and her trainers will give her just enough of an edge to, to pull out a, a close decision victory. So Aldrich is going to be my pick. Now moving up to the middleweight division, we have Marvin Vittori, who is 13-3-1, taking on Andrew Sanchez, who is 11-4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Vittori opened minus 270, the comeback on Sanchez at plus 190. And right now, looking over at BetDSI, we are seeing Vittori minus 370, the comeback on Sanchez, plus 287. So not a lot of faith in Sanchez right now. The line climbing Vittori's way, obviously a lot of people putting him in parlays. Um, I can understand it. I do like Vittori in this fight as well, since we're keeping everything kind of short and to the point. Um, I think that Andrew Sanchez is a very good fighter. I think he's underrated on the feet. He mixes things up well. He can be effective at times. He has good wrestling, really good grappling as well. I just think this is a bad matchup for him because I don't think he's going to bully Vittori in this fight. I think Vittori is going to be the one kind of bullying him around, especially as the fight progresses a little bit. I think Vittori is a little bit more durable, and I think he could probably edge out a decision if it goes to scorecards, but more than that, I think Vittori actually might find a finish before it hits the cards because, again, I do question Sanchez's durability at times, but again, he's on a couple fight win streak now, so you got to give Sanchez some credit. He's got things together, it seems, but I don't think he's going to get over that hump that is Vittori right now. So I just like Vittori in this fight. I think he gets it done. Where the betting line is right now, though, it may, minus four to one. You got to be cautious because Sanchez isn't that bad. I mean, this could be a competitive fight, um, but I still like Vittori in this spot. Yeah, the main thing I like about Vittori is that he pushes a, a decent tempo and conditioning wise, he's way ahead of Sanchez. Because uh, in terms of technical skill, Sanchez is the better fighter. I would say that he's better. Uh, a little bit on the feet than Vittori, and he's better on the ground than Vittori. But um, the problem is Sanchez's striking and defense go completely out the window when he's tired. So I can see Sanchez winning the first round, but I think he'd have to get a stoppage here in the first round for him to actually win the fight because Vittori's going to wear him out. Uh, I think Vittori uh, pushes a high tempo. I mean, this is a guy that went to a split decision against Israel Adesanya, the current champ. So... Uh, I think Vittori pushes a good pace here, wears Sanchez out, and then wins rounds two and three, if not getting a stoppage in rounds two or three. So Vittori is going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the welterweight division, we have Hector Aldana, who is four and two, taking on Miguel Beza, who is seven and zero. Oh. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Beza opened minus two thirty. The comeback on Aldana at plus. 170. Right now, looking over at BetDSI, 
We are seeing Beza minus 227, the comeback in Aldana plus 187. Solid opener. Line margins kind of tightened up, but line staying steady. Tough fight to bet. I mean, Beza should be a slight favorite coming into this matchup. Um, there's a lot to kind of like about him in this spot. He does have a two-inch reach advantage. It's just kind of a striker versus striker matchup, although Aldana is the more well-rounded fighter at this point, and I think he's a little bit underrated. So this by far is Beza's toughest test to date. But I still like what I see in him. I think he is going to be dangerous. Aldana has a tendency to get in firefights, and he does absorb a lot of punishment. He's pretty tough, but I, I still think stylistically it might be a tough matchup for him with Beza here. So not confident. Again, it's a dog or pass situation with Aldana here. I think this is a, a big test for Beza, so that's why I wouldn't lay the two to one. But as far as a pick goes, I think he can edge us out and possibly even finish Aldana. So I'll pick him, just not a confident one. Yeah, Beza definitely has scary power, and if he can connect with something nasty, he can win in a hurry in this fight. So uh you definitely have to be on the lookout for that. But he did disappoint me in that Contender Series fight. I thought that he was going to take care of business against Victor Reyna and ended up winning a pretty lackluster decision. Um Eldana, though, you know, he seems like a guy that the UFC is just using to to build up other people. Uh, you saw that in his last fight where he took on Staropoli, uh, and Staropoli looked great. Uh, and before that, he got, uh, finished by Keenan Song. So, uh, he's 0-2 in the UFC so far. And I feel like, uh, while he is probably one of the toughest fighters that Beza's fought, this is still, you know, if they're trying to build Beza at all, this is the kind of guy they're going to build him up against. So, uh, I feel like this is a, a matchup made for Aldana to lose. So as long as Beza does not completely crap the bed again, uh, I think that he should be able to walk away with a victory here by decision or knockout. So Beza's going to be back. Now moving down to the Bantamweight division, we have Marlon Vera, who is 16-5-1, taking on Andre Ewell, who is 15-5. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddmaker's perspective on this one? Very open, minus 195, the comeback on Yule at plus 155. Right now, over at BetDSI, we are seeing Vera minus 159, Yule plus 132, so line margins have tightened up a little bit. Uh, there is two-way action coming in this fight. I mean, Yule taking a little bit more dog action, but Vera getting some check back as well, so I think it will continue to see two-way actions at, at the sports book on this fight. Intriguing fight. I mean, is Yule ready to, to step up and face a guy that... Uh, against a guy like Vera that's been dangerous and kind of on the rise and is a prospect that he actually likes and um, I think has been pushing in, in a sort of way. You know, I think Vera is, again, a guy that kind of, kind of continues to get better fight by fight. He's one of those guys that absorbs everything like a sponge in training and improves in his shows. So, but that said, I still think that he has some holes in his game and Yule can exploit a lot of those in this matchup. I mean, Yule's going to have a five inch reach advantage. I believe he's a South pole. So even on the feet, Vera is a little bit more dangerous. And I think he's a little bit more, um, I think diverse in his skill set. but I think Yule can be very using that reach a little bit, pushing a pace, landing some good strikes along the way, mixing in a takedown or two and kind of grinding out Vera. I think Vera is dangerous with his submission game, but I think Yule's submission defense is good enough that he can not get caught and, you know, kind of mess around with Vera on the ground and, uh, stay away from uh, getting actually uh, submitted on the ground against Vera as well. So I think Yule can win this fight. Stylistically, it's a great fight for him. I think he can win on the scorecards and kind of outgrind Vera along the way. So I'm expecting a competitive fight. It'll definitely be a tough test for Yule, but I think he's ready for it. So I'm going to pick Yule. And obviously at, at the dog price, I think there is a little bit of value there as well. And I'm right with you. I know that Marlon Vera is on an impressive run and has finished four fighters in a row. 
but Yule presents some serious challenges for him. Uh, Yule has uh, a really long, lanky build. Um, he can be very difficult to deal with. Um, and uh, Yule also is a very good wrestler, a really good athletic fighter. So with that six-inch reach, I think Vera's going to have a little bit of trouble uh, just settling in on the feet, even though I would say Vera is the more powerful striker and probably the little bit better technical striker. Um, and then even though Vera is the better submission fighter, you will being the better wrestler, I think can take Vera down repeatedly and, uh, grind out from top position without getting caught in submissions. So, uh, I think this fight will be competitive, but I actually agree with Nick here. I think, uh, you will, does enough mixing and takedowns and uh, the occasional pot shots on the feet uh, working that reach advantage to walk away with uh, a close competitive decision victory. So Yule is my pick. Now, and down to the flyweight division, we have Davis and Figueredo, who is 16-1, taking on Tim Elliott, who is 15-8-1. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Figueredo open minus 210, the comeback on Elliott at plus 160. And right now, what you're seeing over at BetDSI is actually Figueredo minus 189, the comeback on Elliott plus 155. So line margins have tightened up a little bit. And again, there's two actually coming in this fight, a little bit more actually coming in Elliott's way. It's intriguing because Elliott has definitely always been, I mean, one of the top flyweights in the world. I mean, there's no question about it. You look at some of his, his performances. Um, the guy is definitely more than game. I mean, he's put up a lot of great wins, put up a great fight with Demonson uh, back in the day as well. Not too long ago. It seems like back in the day now. Um, and, and he's just one of these guys that has that grinding style, that relentless pace, um, that kind of unorthodox fighting style on the feet that can be a fiv. Um, but again, it's his grinding style. It's the takedowns. It's his grappling, especially in this matchup against Figueredo that he has to kind of exploit the most with Figueredo. Figueredo is definitely has the striking edge here, especially with the layoff and the concerns about, you know, Elliot did have surgery. I'm not sure what kind of bounce back he's going to have. So there's a lot of question marks surrounding Elliot right now coming back against a, a tough as nails up and coming on the rise type of fighter in Figueredo. But Figueredo's kryptonite has always been on the ground a little bit. So if Elliot can mix in some takedowns and kind of make this a gritty grinding type of fight and survive some tough spots along the way, maybe he could pull it off. But I still think that it's the right time for Figueredo to pick off Elliot here, make this a miserable night for him, and just maybe even finish Elliot along the way. So Elliot's game, he's definitely one of the better fighters. You know, obviously he's been um, in the weight class, but I think Figueredo is on the rise, and the timing is for him to get this win, maybe even finish. So I am going to pick Figueredo, but at the, again, at the betting window, I mean, there's just too many question marks about Elliot, and stylistically, it might be a fight that he can possibly exploit Figueredo, so I don't think it's worth a bet on Figueredo. Stay away from it. Figueredo, to me, is just the superior striker here. This is a guy that uh, is more dangerous with his hands and his feet than Elliot. Uh, Elliot is more dangerous if it goes to the ground. Uh, Figueredo, when he lost, it was because of the ground. So um, he just has to avoid that area. Uh, Elliot is a, a decent wrestler and uh, can be pretty creative out there, very unorthodox type of fighter. Um, so if Elliot can get inside, can drag Figueroa to the ground and keep him down, that's absolutely his path to victory. Maybe even if he gets a submission along the way, but if Figueroa can keep this fight upright and just do him in the feet, uh, start to slow Elliot down with some, uh, you know, good jabs, good kicks, then that's how he'll win. 
So I think Figueredo does enough. I think, you know, Elliot has, you know, starting to slow down a little bit. I mean, he's had his moments, uh, but uh, I just think Figueredo's the, the better fighter and uh, definitely the better striker. And as long as he keeps it in that realm, he should win. So Figueredo's going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Max Griffin, who is 15 and 6, taking on Alex Morano, who is 16 and 5. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Morano opened minus 130 to come back on Griffin at minus 110. And right now, looking over at BetDSI, we are seeing Griffin minus 133, Morano plus 111. So line flipped. Uh, basically, a pick em fight opened slightly lean towards Murano right now. It's a pick-up fight, slightly lean towards Griffin. Line flip, more action coming in Griffin's way. I think that's right. I, I do lean Griffin's way as well. I think I to keep it, again, short to the point because this podcast, we don't want us to drag too long here. Uh, this is an awesome fight, by the way. I think it has fireworks written all over it. I mean, fight of the night potential for sure. Uh, back and forth with these guys, but I think stylistically, Griffin has a little bit of an edge here because I think he's a better wrestler. I think he can probably drag uh, Morano to the ground and probably have success keeping him there at times. Um, mixing in with his stand-up game, of course, he's going to have some length on the feet, and he doesn't have bad stand-up. I think he's underrated on the feet, actually. So he'll have success against Morano on the feet. I think he can make some takedowns. Morano, obviously, is a gritty fighter, man. I mean, he's tough as nails. Um, I think he does at times get hit a little bit too much, but he's overall, he's a pretty durable guy. And he does have that kind of underrated one punch knockout power that he can definitely ring Griffin's bell um, on the feet, especially if they start slinging it out. So dangerous fight for Griffin. I understand that. I think Murano is capable of winning this fight. That's ex- exactly why you're seeing this fight be so close here. Um, Cause realistically it could go either way, but I think there's more ways to win for Griffin. So I'm going to side with him. but another tough one to bet. Yeah. If this one stays standing, then I definitely think uh, Murano might be able to get the job done. Um, you know, he just pushes a unorthodox tempo, and he wins fights that you don't expect that he'd be able to win. But uh, the difference here is Griffin is a really good athlete, and he's started to mix in some takedowns with his game. And I think takedowns will be the decisive factor here. If Griffin can get takedowns and keep uh, Murano on long enough, he should win a decision, maybe even get a TK on the ground. Um, if he can't get the takedowns, if he gets clipped, then Murano's going to win. So uh, it should be competitive, but it all boils down to the, the wrestling of Griffin, I believe. And I feel like uh, that should be enough for him to walk away with uh, the decision victory. So Griffin's going to be my pick. Now, dropping down to the lightweight division, we have Thomas Gifford, who is 17 and 8, taking on Mike Davis, who is 7 and 2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Davis opened minus 190, Gifford plus 150, and right now over at BetDSI, we are seeing the current line, Davis minus 312, the comeback on Gifford plus 248. So late replacement, Mike Davis steps in, opens as a betting favorite, and now gets steamed up to 3-1 to one from basically being a 2-1 to one favorite. Interesting. But, again, kind of hard to argue. And The betting public a lot of times are the early betters out there, even though it's smaller limits. They do start signs in the right direction at times with their max bets when they do come in early, even if it's 50 bucks a pop at these sports books. So I think the direction it kind of went is justified. I think Davis is 
the more capable fighter in this spot. I think he's a wrestler, obviously, um, that has better boxing. He can be the more effective striker on the feet. I just think the Gifford with his length, his size, he does definitely presents some problems for uh, Davis. And of course, Gifford has that kind of crazy guillotine choke that you can't get out of. Once he has it sink, sunk in, you're done. So, I mean, he's sneaky, good on the ground. Davis has to be careful there. And even on the feet, Gifford, his stand-up game is actually improving and he can present some problems there as well. But I just think Davis' stand-up is better. His wrestling should be better and at least good enough to probably keep this upright. So if his conditioning lasts, I mean, I think it probably will. He should be able to beat Gifford up along the way and, and at least earn a decision, if not maybe get a finish. So the pick is Davis, but no way can I lay almost three to one. Um, it's definitely too high right now. Uh, but again, at the same time, I think that he does beat Gifford. So it's kind of hard for me to bet Gifford as well. My pick is Davis. I'm with you on the odds at least. But uh, Davis is the more talented fighter. But both of these guys did lose their UFC debuts uh, relatively convincingly. So, uh, and Davis is on super short notice to take on this fight. So um, the fact that he is such a huge favorite is uh, a bit scary to me. So uh, I do think Davis is the better fighter. I think he's the better striker. I think he's the better athlete. I think he's just overall the more technically sound fighter. But super short notice. Uh and the fact that he still, you know, is looking for that first UFC win as well. Um, you know, just be careful. But, uh, yeah, uh, Gifford is game, but I'm not sure he's UFC caliber. So, uh, I think Davis has get the win here, possibly by stoppage. But again, with the short notice, I don't know if I can trust him, but Davis will be my pick. Now, moving on to the light heavyweight division, we have Devin Clark, who is 10 and 3, taking on Ryan Spann, who is 16 and 5. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Span open minus 215, the comeback on Clark plus 165. Right now over at BetDSI, we are seeing Span minus 169, Clark plus 141. So line margins have tightened up, more action coming in, Clark way i understand it that's definitely the right way another tough spot dog or pass situation for sure you can't lay it on span i think he's a little bit overrated to be honest with you i mean he's on an amazing role since that ultimate fighter today that i'm sorry the contender series um loss where he got destroyed early on in that fight i believe it was like 15 seconds or so um to carl robertson since that time i mean he's rolled off some great wins uh, some tough fights along the way and he really showed a lot of improvement. And man, I mean, Span has the tools. He's got the frame. There's a lot to like about him. I mean, he's going to have obviously a four inch reach advantage in this fight. Um, he's a taller fighter, as I just mentioned. He's got a lot of confidence coming into this uh, matchup against Clark as well. So there's a lot to like about him. But again, I think that maybe we're overrating him a little bit too much. And I think Clark, stylistically, it's kind of a tough matchup for him as well. I mean, Clark can seriously present some problems for him. I know he's had his ups and downs so far, but if you look at the competition level for Clark as well, those losses aren't too bad to Blackwich and, of course, uh, Rakich as well recently. I mean, I don't think those are awful losses, and he's had his moments. He's performed relatively well on the feed. He's no slouch. I think both these guys can actually hurt each other. Obviously, Span with the length, again, can present some problems, but Clark has a speed advantage. He's got a little bit of power. I think Clark has some wrestling to go along with it. He might be able to mix some takedowns in. Um, Span not easy to deal with on the ground, but I mean, again, I think there's path to victory for Clark here to get it done, so I'm actually going to pick Clark. I think if he can survive and not get clipped, um, I think he could probably win on the scorecards, or maybe even finish Span, because again, I don't trust Span's ability. He does have kind of a weak chin, in my opinion, as well. Um, so both of them are somewhat chinny, um, and I just think stylistically, this might be a fight that Clark can kind of get back 
um, to where he kind of wants to be. I know he, he got a win over Stosich in his last fight, which was much needed, um, but he needs to roll off some wins and, and kind of get back, uh, to, you know, to, again, to where he wants to be in the UFC. And I think this is a fight that he can kind of steal Span's momentum and maybe do so. So another tough one, dogger pass for sure. I'm going to pick Clark to get it done. And I'm going to come in the other way. Um, I know that Clark has a little bit more UFC experience and he's probably the better wrestler of the two, but Span just has so many more, uh, intangibles in his favor. He's got a, a six and a half inch reach advantage, five inches taller. Uh, I feel like Span is more powerful with his striking. Uh, he's coming off of a, a big win over Little Nog. Um, and, and I think Span's more dangerous with his submissions. So, uh, unless Clark really slows Span down, um, I think uh, he's going to be in good shape. Um, I just don't think Clark can wear Span down with takedowns enough. Um, I think coming in, Span could just crack him with knees or elbows or punches on the way in uh, if Clark is shooting in for takedowns. Uh, and I think uh, Span could just work him over from the outside with uh, the, the size and reach. So... Uh, Clark could grind this to a halt with takedowns, but I just I don't see it happening without him taking a lot of damage along the way or even being threatened with submissions. Because Span has a pretty nasty guillotine choke, too, if Clark leaves his neck exposed. So I'm going to pick Ryan Span. I think he gets the job done. I think he actually uh, gets a stop along the way. Now, moving on to the main card, we have a middleweight contest between Eric Anders, who is 12 and 4, and Gerald Mearshart, who is oh, 30 and 11. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the shift of things so far? Anders open minus 150, Mearshart plus 110. And right now what we're seeing over at BetDSI is currently Anders minus 141, Mearshart coming in at plus 170. So again, line margins have tightened up. There has been two-way action on this fight. It's been kind of bouncing all over the place back and forth. Anders got bet up. Then Mearshart's getting bet uh, some action back down as well. Another tough one. I mean, it's hard to depend on either one of these guys, to be honest with you. Um, it's sad to say, but it's really true. I mean, Anders got back on track, went over Morhea in his last fight. Much needed. I mean, he was on a three-fight skid before that. Um, some tough fights. I mean, you know, against decent competition overall. The Adoro fight in between, I think, was... Kind of head scratcher. I mean, you expected better from him. And I think there's a problem with me since the Machida fight, honestly. I mean, that was a close fight that guy actually could have went Anders' way. But since that time, he just hasn't looked the same to me. I mean, he hasn't been the same fighter. So Mearshart, on the other hand, I think what I've seen from him recently a little bit, um, I mean, he showed a little bit more life. Um, at least I know even the Holland loss that he had a couple fights back, uh, I still, he performed a lot better than I expected in that spot. I think he was going to fold a lot sooner. So he hung in there, uh, put up a really close fight against Holland, which I think Holland is obviously a fighter that's on the rise. So it wasn't necessarily a bad loss. And then coming out and beating Trevor Giles like he did in his last fight. I mean, he was game in that fight. He needed to win that fight to keep his UFC career alive, really. And he stepped it up and he won it. So I think he showed me enough life. And I like, um, stylistically again, the way he matches up here against Anders, so I kind of trust Mearshart a little bit more, and I think all it takes for him is to get inside, maybe clinch up with Anders, take his back, um, get him down, drag him down, or whatnot, and, and Mearshart can get a submission win over him. He's got that sneaky, slick, unorthodox submission game that even if you do have submission defense that's decent like Anders does, I mean, he's no slouch on the ground. I um, mean, he's a strong fighter, so this is going to be interesting, especially with his drop back down to weight. Um, that said, 
I still think Andrew Sharp might get him down, and I like what I've seen recently from him compared to what I have Anders. But make no mistake, it's hard to trust either one of these guys. But it is another spot where you got to bet the dog if you're going to bet this fight. So it's dog or pass. I'm going to pick Mearshart to get it done. I can see Mearshart getting it done if he can wear Anders out a little bit, if he can uh, get this fight to the floor. But Anders is a good athlete. I don't think Mearshart's takedown offense is nearly good enough to get this fight to the ground. And uh, on the feet, Mearshart is just not a good striker. Uh, when he faces people that can light him up on the feet, they usually do if uh, he cannot drag the fight to the floor in a hurry. So uh, Eric Anders is just coming off of a fight where he was taking on somebody that was a very good on the ground but not good on the feet, and he destroyed them in less than a minute and a half. So... Uh, I'm not saying that he's going to, you know, obliterate Mearshart in, you know, the first minute and a half, but I think that he's going to really do some damage on the feet. Uh, it feels like Anders only struggles when he faces people that are superior technical strikers to him, and that is just not Mearshart, and Mearshart does not have the wrestling or athleticism to take advantage uh, of his own uh, technical skills in this fight. So, yeah, I, I just don't agree. I think Anders dropping back to middleweight is good for his career. I don't think that he has the uh, size or length to fight at light heavyweight. I think at middleweight, Anders can be can still have a decent future with his athleticism and power. And uh, I think that this is a fight made for Anders to not just win, but win impressively. So my pick is going to be Anders. Now, dropping down to the lightweight division, we have Luis Pena, who's seven and one, taking on Matt Frivola, who is seven, one, and one. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmakers perspective on this one? Pena opens minus 165, Frivola plus 125, and right now over at BetDSI, we are seeing it. Pena minus 169 for Volo plus 141. So another spot line margins have tightened up. It's been bouncing around a little bit. There is two action coming in this as well. Pena, the more popular fighter for sure, but for Volo staying where it is in the line, I mean, he's definitely getting some respect and you have to respect him. I think he's a very underrated fighter and he's the type of fighter that performs relatively well. And I think, you know, I know he got blown out by Polo Reyes and I think a lot of people were are looking at that as a really bad loss. And it kind of is a stain on the resume for sure. But if you look beyond that, I mean, Favola brings it every time he fights. I mean, usually he's fairly durable, pushes a high pace. He's got some power on the feet. Um, again, kind of a grinder, mixes in some takedowns. So he's a tough out for sure for everybody. And that's a thing here against Pena. I mean, Pena obviously is going to be the taller fighter. I think he's more dangerous overall. I mean, he's got that skill on the feet where he could definitely crack you, use, utilizes that reach well. Of course, he's got that submission game with those crazy chokes as well. Length on the ground, decent wrestling in his own right. So this is going to be a back and forth type of fight, another dog or pass situation. There's no way I would lay the juice on, uh, Luis Pena in this fight over Frivola. I think Frivola could possibly steal this fight, uh, if he doesn't get finished, especially if this fight hits the scorecards. I mean, I could really see Frivola stealing this win, um, grinding out a 29, 28 tempo decision win over Pena. So tough one. I've kind of been going back and forth as far as a pick. I like the physical attributes from Pena. I like that he's capable of finishing fights a little bit more. And I think he's only going to continue to get better. Frivola is hittable. Um, I, I think that 
he could possibly get caught up in this fight, uh, get rocked and possibly submitted to finish. So I'm going to slightly lean towards Pena, I think, as far as a pick goes. But it's another spot where I'm confident, though, and it is a dog or pass situation. Because, again, I think that Favola might be a little bit undervalued here. And if he can avoid, you know, getting caught up in something crazy from Pena, I think he could possibly steal the cards. So I'm going to pick Pena to win, but another spot where it's dog or pass. And I'm going to go with uh, Pena. I just feel like the threat of the finish is there. Uh, Frivola, while he does uh, push a high tempo and uh, can get takedowns, and that could definitely play to his advantage for winning a decision here, um, he also is a little bit chinny. He can get caught, and he could get either knocked out or submitted at some point. Um, so I think either Frivola wins a decision or Pena could win a decision by win by knockout or win by submission. So, uh, I feel like there's a lot more options here with Pena, even though, uh, Frivola could be forcing Pena to fight off of his back foot and could be forcing Pena to fight off of his back on the ground. Um, I think this will be competitive, but... Uh, I'm leaning Pena. I think, uh, at some point he might crack Frivola and, uh, he might also wrap him up with a triangle choke or something if he does get taken down. So, uh, I really like the, the physical, uh, tools of Pena with just how long he is might force Frivola to make a mistake, uh, shooting in from too far away. And I think Pena could punish him. So, uh, Pena is going to be my pick. Now, Dropping down to the women's strawweight division, we have Mackenzie Dern, who is seven and zero, taking on Amanda Reeves, who is seven and one. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Dern opened minus two forty-five, plus one seventy-five, and right now, what we're seeing over at BetDSI is currently Dern all the way down to minus one forty-seven, Reeves plus one twenty-two. I understand it. I mean, that's definitely a tough line to set. With Mackenzie Dern, you're going to have a lot of tough lines to set, to be honest with you. I mean, it's never going to be easy, especially her coming off of pregnancy. So pre-pregnancy, I love Mackenzie Dern in this fight. I love her aggression. I think, obviously, jiu-jitsu is where it's at with her. She's facing a very solid jiu-jitsu artist in her own right in Rebus here. Uh, so this is not going to be an easy fight. Again, pre-pregnancy, pre-time off. I think Dern was getting better. She's getting more confident. She was kind of getting more comfortable in the cage, but that, that is definitely what bothers me in this fight is that, I mean, I, we're not sure how she's going to perform. I mean, it hasn't been that long child. So I think that, I mean, typically speaking, it might not matter in this spot, but I'm not sure. I'm not confident that it won't. I mean, I think if she could perform again, what, how she did before that, she's going to be the bull in this fight. She's going to be the aggressor. I think this is a little bit more technical overall. I like her frame too as well. I mean, she definitely has some length, underrated size for and strength really for uh, this weight class. And Rebus does have some skill everywhere the fight takes place. But I think the Dern is going to be the one that kind of closes the gap, kind of wraps her up, maybe takes her down. And on the ground, Dern definitely has a, more of an edge because I think she's a little bit more defensively sound as well. So she's more capable to win this fight on the ground. So for me, I do like Dern. And I think, again, she's kind of meant to win this fight. But the question marks for me, and, and it's just like, 
I mean, I'm not that confident where she's going to look 100% or look close to what she did um, before the time off. So that's my concern here more than anything else. But I do like her to win. And as of price drops, I mean, if, if we're going to continue to see this line drop and it becomes more of a pick em exactly, then you've got to hop on Dern for sure in this matchup. Um, so I think there might be some value where the current line is right now. I'm going to pick Dern to win. Um, and hopefully she shows up and looks good and, you know, looks like she is going to continue her rise towards the top and possible title shot. So the pick is Dern for me. And I'm right with you. Uh, I'm not as concerned about Dern, you know, just being four months, uh, you know, from having a child. Uh, she's young, 26 years old. I think she'll bounce back just fine. She looks great. She's had a history of uh, issues with making weight, had no problems with her weight cut this time around. It seems like, you know, maybe the, the having a, a kid is, straighten her out a little bit from uh, uh, taking her career a little more seriously. So um, in terms of grappling ability, I mean, that's Rebus's biggest strength and Dern blows her out of the water on the ground uh, on the feet. Rebus is probably the more technically sound striker, but uh, Dern makes up for that with the fact that she has a granite chin and she hits like a tank. Uh, so even though Dern isn't the most technically sound striker, uh, if she can crack Rebus on the chin, that will easily set up a finish. So I think at some point, uh, Dern either bass Rebus on the feet or she just gets this fight to the floor and ends up, uh, either winning a decision or winning by submission. So, uh, Dern is going to be my pick. Now, to the welterweight division, we have James Vick, who is 13 and 4. Taking on Nico Price, who is thirteen and three. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Price minus one seventy five, Vic plus one thirty five. That was the opening line, and right now, what we're seeing over at BetDSI is currently price minus one sixty four, Vic plus one thirty seven. So another spot where line margins have tightened up a little bit. There is two action coming in this fight, and another difficult one to pick. I mean, if you're looking at this, there's no question who the better fighter is. I mean, let's say first Vic has, is moving up to welterweight from lightweight, so that's interesting. I mean, getting just smoked in a few fights, I mean, um, you know, maybe this will do him so good not having to cut all that weight. So that's something to be said. I mean, and again, skill-wise, Vic is definitely a talented fighter. I mean, he has some skill on the feet, good clinch game, wrestling to go along with it, decent takedown defense, and of course that slick submission game as well, um, those chokes. Now, Price, of course, dangerous. I mean, he's definitely a tough come to take your head off type of fighter with his striking ability. I mean, of course on the ground, he's got some dangerous submissions of his own, right? He's got nasty ground to pound. We're seeing he's capable even of striking in weird positions, knocking you out from the ground off his back or whatnot. So, I mean, price is just dangerous. I mean, he does have that knockout power. He's going to be physically. I mean, he's the kind of more natural, obviously uh, welterweight in this spot as well. So it's hard not to like him in this spot. I mean, I, I think Vic needs to kind of prove that he's thrown in the fire to me more so welterweight than, uh, than anything else right now. And this is a tough test for him to do so. So another fight, I mean, it's kind of repetitive in this podcast, but it's true. And you got to be honest, fight by fight, each fight you got to take separately and look at it for what it's worth. And this is another tough one to bet, honestly. I mean, I'm going to lean towards Price. I think he probably does finish Vic, but Vic is the more talented and the more, you know, the more capable fighter. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does come in to welterweight and, and get this win over Price. So dogger pass for sure. You can't lay the chalk on Price here, but I'm going to pick him to win. Because again, I just don't trust Vic quite all the way yet. Yeah, Vic is moving up to, to welterweight, and I think that's for the best. You know, he's got a long, lanky frame. 
And I think he can do fine at welterweight. Uh, my main issue is uh, durability. That could actually help. You know, not having such a extensive weight cut could help his chin. We've seen that with multiple fighters moving up weight classes. They can take a shot a little bit better. But uh, overall, I am a little concerned, though, because uh, you know Vic is still on a three-fight losing streak. This fight is less than three months removed from him getting brutally knocked out by uh, Dan Hooker, Vicker. Vic is uh, also potentially, you know, desperate. This could be a move where, you know, his back's against the wall. But uh, if you look at the, the, the technical skills, Vic's better than Nico Price uh, on the ground. He's better with submissions. Uh, Vic is better at adjustments. Um, I would say Vic is better technically with his striking. The difference, though, is Price can take a shot. Uh, Price has nasty power, and if Vic gets hit on the chin, there's just no telling what's going to happen here, because uh, Vic could be winning this fight all the way up right until he loses it. So, uh, you know, my heart is saying Vic could pull this out because he does have all the technical advantages, but my mind is telling me uh, that, you know, all those technical advantages go out the window if he gets hit on the chin one time. So... I'm going to side with uh, Nico Price. I think that uh, he does land that big shot and uh, get the knockout. So my pick will be Nico Price. Now, moving on to the co-main event of the evening in the featherweight division, we have Cub Swanson, who is 25-11, taking on Kron Gracie, who is 5-0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Gracie minus 265, Swanson plus 185. And right now what we're seeing over at BetDSI is Gracie all the way down to minus 185, Swanson plus 152. So needless to say, Swanson more action, not really that surprised. I mean, he's a more battle-tested veteran, as we all know. I mean, top of the food chain type of guy at featherweight for a long time now. Gatekeeper right now, actually, more than anything else. I mean, uh, let's call it what it is. So this is a gatekeeper type of test for Gracie. And right now, I mean, Cub Swanson, to keep his job in the UFC and to keep his re- relevance, really, he needs uh, to pull together a win. I believe he's lost four in a row, so that not a good look. But again, he's facing another guy that's on the rise and a prospect, even though that he's 31 years old. I mean, in MMA years, he's definitely still a young man um, when it comes to Cron uh, Gracie, and there's a lot to like about his game. I mean, he's improving his stand-up all the time, but obviously it's his jiu-jitsu game, it's his ground game where it's at here. And I mean, has had problems in the past with grapplers, of course course and i think that gracie even though swanson has some decent takedown defense for the most part um gracie will find a way to get this fight to the floor and once he does obviously he's going to have his way with swanson gracie's kind of one of those special submission artists they just move he's so slick and he's so so technical that uh, i think he gets it done once he is on the floor um that's basically what what it comes down to so i, I do think the action on Swanson, I get it. I mean, at the big price, you could justify it because he definitely has a path to victory here if he can keep it upright. Uh, they can batter and, and beat up Gracie along the way. But that said, as the line keeps dropping, I think it's a Gracie or pass situation. It's a favorite or pass situation. I do believe Gracie comes in here and, again, gets the best win of his career right now, and it's his time, and this is a great spot for him to get the win. So my is Gracie to win probably by submission, so maybe look for a submission prop as well. Yeah, Cub Swanson, you know, he's really been put through a gauntlet here in the featherweight division, but he still is on a four-fight losing streak. And 
Uh, my main issue with Swanson is, you know, he is a talented fighter. He's had some incredible fights against some great fighters throughout the course of his career. But when he's in a situation where he absolutely needs to keep a fight standing to win, he's not able to do it. Um, it happened against Ortega. It happened against Moicano. It happened the first time against Frankie Edgar. And in this fight here, I mean, he cannot let this fight go to the ground against Cron Gracie. But I just don't think he has the ability to keep this fight upright. Uh, at some point, Gracie is going to close the distance and take this fight to the floor. And his ground game, ground game is going to take over. Uh, Cron Gracie is a very talented fighter, an elite level grappler. And I think it's, uh, he's, he's catching Cub Swanson at a good time in his career. So I'm going to pick, uh, Cron Gracie. I think that at some point he gets a hold of Cub Swanson and drags him to the ground. And I think probably by rear naked choke, just like he's done the last three times he's fought against, uh, uh, top competition in MMA. Uh, he's had rear naked chokes against Hideo Takoro. Uh, Kawajiri and his UFC debut against uh, Caceres. I mean, it seems like the UFC is pushing him, but, uh, you know, this is a winnable fight for him. Uh, Swanson has been exposed against elite grapplers, and I think Kron uh, continues the trend here. So, uh, Kron Gracie is my pick. Now, we're on to the main event of the evening. In the women's strawweight division, we have former champion Joanna Youngchechek, who is 15 and 3 taking on Michelle Watterson, who was 17 and 6. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Young Jacek opened minus 350 to come back on Watterson to plus 275. And right now, currently at BetDSI, we are seeing Young Jacek minus 370 to come back on Watterson at plus 287. So line mar- margins have tightened up a little bit too after coming into this fight. An appropriately set line. I think that Jacek should be a solid favorite in this fight, but you got to respect Watterson as well. She deserves to be in this spot, but it's, it is a tough fight stylistically for her. I think she's going to have to probably get this fight to the ground, probably look to take her back, probably look for a submission win um, in the matchup because on the feed, even though Watterson's capable of mixing things up, she's not a bad striker. She has some good technique. Her kicking game's on point at times, and she might, might have some success mixing some of those kicks up. Jacek's pressure is going to be the one stalking forward, kind of just utilizing um, her striking ability and, and that accuracy and that pace that she sets on people and just kind of stalking and busting Watterson up along the way, possibly getting a finish, but if not, a clear enough decision to get the win as well. So honestly, it's just a tough matchup, like I said, for Watterson. I don't see how she gets it done here um, unless she maybe, you know, throws up a high kick and catches Jacek on the feet, which I don't see really happening. Or like I said, maybe taking her back and getting submission, but I don't see that happening either. So Jacek, does what she does best. Um, she returns down to this weight class and returns successfully by getting a, an impressive win, at least a decisive decision, if not a finish. And I think, you know, there's still some value left possibly at under four to one, maybe throw her in a parlay. And I think you'd be safe to do so. Um, I know there's some NFL this weekend as well. So make it a kind of a fun parlay uh, with JJ in there. So the pick is JJ. And again, just kind of have fun with it. And from top to bottom, this is not the easiest card to bet. Um, but, I mean, again, there's a few spots on here. If you bet it the right way, I think you can find some success. Yeah, and I have to go Young Jacek as well. If this fight stays standing, and I expect it will, because Young Jacek has 80% takedown defense, and Waterson's, uh takedown accuracy, while decent, is, I just don't think, good enough. Um, so, if it stays standing, Young Jacek just pushes way too high of a tempo. Uh, Waterson 
is uh, a decent striker. I mean, she definitely is a capable striker, but she's more methodical. Um, she's the type of fighter that's, you know, very close competitive striking exchanges. And Young Chechek just likes to just overwhelm her opponents with pure volume. Um, I just don't think Watterson can keep up with that type of fight. Um, and defensively, there is a huge difference. Uh, Water- while she does have a good output and lands at a high rate, um, she gets hit way too often on the feet. And Young Jacek, I think, will really expose her there as well. So uh, I feel like uh, on the feet, this could be very one-sided. Waterson mixes it up a little bit better than Young Jacek does uh, with her kicking game. Uh, Young Jacek just will be able to outbox her handily. And uh, Waterson is better on the ground. She has a good chance. If she can take Young Jacek's back, she might be able to make something happen, but we have yet to see anybody really uh, dominate Young Jacek on the ground. Uh, you know, even uh, Gedelia couldn't keep her down for too long and could not uh, keep her down over the course of uh, five rounds. So I think uh, Young Jacek keeps this fight upright and then just out, outpaces uh, Watterson on the feet. Um you know, the last time we saw Watterson face, you know, somebody that was a really talented striker like this, uh, Rosnama Yunus landed a nasty head kick and then finished her. So I think uh, Yun Chechek at some point uh, overwhelms the karate hottie and might even get a finish along the way. So Yun Chechek is going to be my pick. So that'll do it for the breakdown for UFC on ESPN Plus 19. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMA OB Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Special thanks to BetDSI. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.